In today's video, we're going to be discussing how to select the right companies for you to invest in and put your money towards so your money can grow for you. But before we get into any of that, hi, my name is Kalichi. If this is your first time on the channel, please hit the subscribe button. I upload a video every week discussing how you can invest and discussing my portfolio. Speaking about my portfolio, let's jump right into it to take a look at how everything is doing. This is a very small portfolio as it stands right now. It's just about, I've put about $782 of my own money into the markets with some companies that I selected. And we'll talk about why I selected the companies that I selected. And overall, it's made me about $30. And I've gotten paid about $3.53 in dividends, which is pretty cool. I just started this portfolio at the beginning of March or at the end of March when this whole pandemic thing started. Uh, that's when I started taking my investments a little bit more seriously. Previous to that, I had had a Robinhood portfolio that I had been investing in kind of casually uh, before I started taking it seriously and investing in things like ETFs in that Robinhood portfolio. So as you can see on the screen, my Robinhood portfolio has over $1,000 invested in it. I have other investments as well in IRA and those kind of things, but those are more of my like more of retirement accounts that I'm not really looking at because whatever happens to those accounts happens to those accounts. I'm not really paying too much attention to it because I don't have access to that for another 30, 40 years. So I'm not really paying attention to those. These accounts right here are for me to be able to build a passive income stream is the idea of these two portfolios. And in my M1 finance portfolio, I have about 10 companies in them uh, in it with heavy focus on a lot of the tech companies. If you look at my portfolio breakdown, I'm heavily focused on tech because I just know a lot more about tech than anything else. And so that's the breakdown of my M1 portfolio. But today we're going to be talking about how for you to decide what companies you want to select and add to your portfolios. And when it comes to investing, there are two main things you want to look at whenever you're looking at stocks. However, before you look at any stocks, there's something that I have to say and I have to make a note of. When you buy a stock or a share, you are buying ownership within a company. You're saying that I want to own a percentage of this company. I want to own a percentage of this business. Therefore, I am going to invest in this business. So automatically, when you do that, what you're saying to yourself is, I want to invest in something that is not going to go bankrupt, basically. I want to invest in something that's going to be successful. I want to invest in a good business that will not fail. But we go, before we go into any of that stuff, one of the things that I mentioned at the very beginning of this video was how in my Robinhood portfolio is basically a lot of ETFs. I believe that most people who are just starting out investing, what you need to focus on a lot more is to invest in ETFs and just follow the market because a lot of us who first start out, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to look at the market. We don't know how to look at financials. We don't know how to look at businesses. We don't understand a lot of what's going on in the markets. And so therefore, we shouldn't really try to play the markets. Rather, we should just be in the market rather than trying to beat the markets. And so being in the market a lot of times is way better than trying to beat the market. So you need to invest in different ETF index funds that follow things like the S&P 500. For example, they have this ETF called, called the SPLG ticker symbol, and it's called SPDR Portfolio S&P 500. Basically, it's an ETF that just tracks the S&P 500. Basically, as well as the S&P 500 does is, has, is as well as your portfolio will do. I have another one that tracks the, uh, the Dow Jones Index, 
and basically as well as the Dow Jones does is as well as I'm going to do so the point is when you first start off it's a lot better for you to actually just invest in ETFs so you're not losing money but as you learn more and as you grow then you can take your focus away from just being in the market to start looking at okay let me start trying to play within the markets and I talked about a lot of all of this stuff in a previous video of how to go about looking at ETFs and how to select the right ETFs for yourself. I'll put a link down in the description. And while you're down there, hit the subscribe button, both of those things while you're down there. But anyway, let's get back into it. I mentioned before that there are two main things that you need to check for whenever you're looking at businesses, because when you invest in the stock market, you're investing in businesses. There are two main things you look at when you look at that. And the main thing is, a lot of people, whenever you, whenever you listen to investors, they call these the fundamentals of a business. The fundamental analysis is what a lot of people call it. Now, that seems like a big word, but all it is is basically what is the underlying features of the business. And there are two main parts of that fundamental analysis. The first part is another big word called quantitative analysis. Don't worry, we'll break all this stuff down in a minute. And the second part is qualitative analysis. And basically those are the two things that that it breaks down from a fundamental analysis aspect of things so when you break those two things down all qualitative analysis means is or quantitative analysis means is what are the numbers of that business what are the financials what how much money are they making how how much money are they bringing in what does their dollars and cents look like? That's basically what quantitative analysis is. It's just making sure that when you're buying into a business, you know how much money is actually being brought. It's the physical numbers, is the, the hard things that you can hold and touch and feel, and it's the factual things that follow a business. It's those things that you want to know like, oh, is this company actually growing in revenue or is it not growing in, in revenue? The other thing is the qualitative analysis. The way I like to look at this one is it's the Mamba mentality of that business. It's the secret sauce of that business. It's the thing that makes the Krusty Krab the Krusty Krab. You know, it's the thing that is in the Krusty Krab burgers that makes it special. It's the thing that makes that business special. It's that thing that makes it stand out. It's the thing that makes those this business stand out. And today we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you a few questions or there are gonna be a few questions that we're gonna go through for you to help determine what kind of business that you want to get into. Or rather, how to see if a business that you're looking at is a good business for you to get into. We're gonna be focused mainly on the qualitative part of the analysis today. Another day we'll get into the quantitative part of things, but today we're just gonna focus on the qualitative part of it. We're just gonna focus on exactly what it is that is a qualitative analysis. Don't worry, I'm not gonna keep using these big words of qualitative analysis. I just wanted to use these words so that whenever you're seeing this anywhere else, or whenever you're having discussions with anybody else and you're trying to understand the lingo, this is basically what it means. This is a simple way to understand, okay, that's what that financial advisor meant when he said fundamental analysis or anything like that. Because part of the journey on this channel is to make each and every single person that watches these videos that much smarter whenever they go out into the world so anyway and i'll say there are three questions when it comes to your qualitative analysis there are three main questions that you have to ask whenever you're looking at qualitative analysis it's three questions number one question is do you understand the business that you are trying to invest in 
Very simple question. We'll break it down as we go forward. But the first question is, do you understand the business? The second question is, does the business have a competitive advantage? And we'll talk more about talk more about this in a second. And the final question that you got to ask yourself is, what is the management team like? These are the three questions that you got to ask yourself when you get into analyzing any company. These are the three things that you got to look for when it comes to analyzing any company. And the first question, understanding the business. What do I mean by understanding the business? The thing is, is this business in something that Warren Buffett likes to call your circle of competency? In other words, is this business in an er arena where you know what's going on? So for example, for me, the reason why I have the companies that I have, for example, the reason why I have so much of my portfolio in tech, even though it's not that big of a portfolio right now, is because I understand Microsoft. I understand Apple. I understand how they make their money. I understand technology because I'm a tech head. I know a lot of the things. I consume a lot of the knowledge and a lot of the news about technology. So. By default, I automatically know some things about this industry, about the things that is going on in this industry that most people don't know about because I just take a lot of tech information in. I consume a lot of tech information. The other one that I have that position in as well is in utilities. I know a lot about the utility industry when it comes to an energy sector of the utility industry. I know a lot of the things that frame the way the utility industry is built up. And so a lot of the moves that I make recently is to focus in on those industries that I understand more of. If if you guys, if you've been on this channel for a while, you know that I, at one point I had like 20 companies in here. And could I tell you exactly how each of those companies operated? No. When it comes to understanding the business, one of the things you also have to think about is, do you know how they make their money? Do you understand the way that money flows in and out of the business? Do you understand what it looks like for that business to be succeeding? Do you understand any of those things? These are some of the important things for you to know when you're looking at, looking at investing in a business. Like I said, when I first started investing, I had like over 20 companies in here. 20 different companies that I didn't necessarily know any too much about, about the way their products are sold, about the way that those products are made, about what it looks like for the products to be succeeding. I didn't, I had too many companies. I didn't understand all of them. I was just like, must be a good company, must be a good company. People say it's a good company. And I made the mistake of investing in so many companies. Even now, looking back at this portfolio, I still feel like there are a lot of companies in here that I don't fully know enough about for me to be so invested in them. For example, I look at companies like Costco, Pepsi, Walmart, Coca-Cola, all good companies by all standards, but I don't necessarily know exactly how their money is being made. So I haven't been investing a lot of my money. If you notice, a lot of the money has not been going into these five companies. It's been a whole lot more focused on these top five companies. And even still, I can't say that I have a perfect circle of competency to understand exactly how these companies make their money. I understand how Microsoft makes its money. I don't really understand how Bank of America makes all of its money. I don't understand the banking system that much. I understand how Apple makes money. I understand how Southern Company makes money. But I can't tell you that I understand exactly how Realty Income Corp makes money or how Bank of America makes money, right? I can't really tell you all the ins and outs. 
for Microsoft, as you guys know, Microsoft is my baby. I know all the products that they sell. I know that they have a hardware division. I know that they have a gaming division. I know that they have a software division. I know that they have a, a cloud division. I know about all the different things that Microsoft has on its portfolio of how it makes money. I know about Apple and the fact that it has services. It has cell phones. It has a hardware division and a software division. It's one of the biggest players in the, in the cell phone space. So my point is, I understand how Apple works and I understand how Microsoft works. I understand that Southern Company is a utility, therefore it's also a regulated business. And so for it to invest in itself, it has some things that it has to meet by standards of the government. So I understand how they make money. Now, can I tell you how exactly Bank of America makes money? I know that it makes money through loans, but I can't tell you exactly how they make every single dollar that they make, right? I can't really tell you how they make all those dollars. Or if I look at Realty Income Corp, I know that is that they have tenants for buildings and from those buildings is how they make their money, but I can't tell you exactly how the structure of that business is, is, is oriented. So that's the thing, when you look at these businesses that I have, it is so important for you to know and understand what it is that you are buying because make no mistakes about it you are buying a business it's like when you go to buy a computer you do all the reviews you understand what you're about to buy you compare different different types of computers before you make your decision to buy a computer it's the same way when it comes to investing your money do you understand what it is that you're buying the next part of that is does that business that you're about to get into have a competitive advantage? Does it have something that makes it stand out? Warren Buffett likes to use the word moat. Does that company have a moat? Does that business have a moat? In the old days, in the old days, moats were something that a lot of medieval countries and medieval kingdoms had. It was a way to keep the enemies out and to keep all your people in. It was a way to ensure that if there was a war or anything like that, if somebody was trying to besiege your capital, your your cap your your castle, all the people from around the land can run into that moat and hide in the in the kingdom while you defended your country on the outside, while you defended your kingdom on the outside. There was only usually there was only one way in and one way out of that moat. Literally, it's water everywhere. You needed a drawbridge to be able to go into the moat. You needed something. It was basically a way to defend the kingdom. It was a way to defend the kings and queens and all the people that lived inside the in the kingdom. It was a way to for protection. And usually in the waters around it, they will put all kinds of creatures. They will put all kinds of crocodiles and par pariahs and all those kind of things. They will put them inside that moat, inside the lake around the moat, to ensure that whoever is trying to attack them. If they fell into it, they were dead, basically was the idea. It was they were dead. It's the same way when you look at businesses. You want a business to have a moat. And basically all that means is they have something that defends them from anyone else, anyone else entering into that space to attack them, to attack them and steal their profits. It's like, what is it? What is a do they have a defensible position in the market that they operate in? I remember in Avatar. Hopefully you guys watch Avatar The Last Airbender. If you don't, go check it out on Netflix. It's really good. I remember when they were trying to get into a city called Omashu. Literally, Omashu was a castle that was built on a mountain. 
there was only one way in and one way out. It was literally only one way you could get in and it was a, a castle on a mountain, which meant that there was nothing around it. So if you wanted to attack Omashu, you either came through that one bridge or you fell. That was how it worked. So basically that's the same thing for a moat. It's like, is it easy for other people to attack you in that space? Again, going back to my baby, which is Microsoft, because I know way too much about Microsoft. Microsoft has a massive moat. For example, Microsoft has 77% share of desktop operating system in the United States, or not just in the United States, in the world. 77% of computers, which means that three out of four people that pull out a laptop are probably gonna be running Windows, are probably gonna be running Windows on their computers. Not only that, the other interesting things about Microsoft is they are literally the market when it comes to operating and enterprise solutions. They are literally the market. They own about 87.5% market share when compared to any other, any other facility out there. They run the enterprise solution. They run that thing. And then even on top of that, recently they started selling Office 365, moving away from bundling up their, their Microsoft Office services to be more of a subscription service. At first, G Suite had the entire market, but in the last two years since Office 365 has been being offered to companies, they have eaten up a giant part of that market. I mean, look at, look at in just, this was just last year, or actually this was this year, G Suite now has 57% of the market and Office has 43% of the market they have eaten into the space that Google once upon had dominance over. I mean, most people, if you think about it, most people are like, oh, if you work at a business, you're more than likely going to use Outlook as your email provider, which means that you have a bunch of other services provided by Microsoft. That's one of the problems that Zoom faces is because Microsoft Teams exists. Once Microsoft Teams entered the game, all of a sudden Zoom, which is a great platform, don't get me wrong, but Microsoft ate up a bunch of market share immediately. Slack is trying to play against Microsoft with communication and then Microsoft was like, you know what? Let's attack Slack as well. They made Teams a much more communicable service. And so all of a sudden, Microsoft is just such a massive company. It has such a massive share of the market when it comes to enterprise and solutions and even day-to-day -day solutions. I mean, look at what I'm using to share this video. I'm using Microsoft PowerPoint, if that makes any sense. Like some of us are so used to the service that we ain't even trying to use any of the Google software. Like I, for one, I'm not trying to use Google software for PowerPoint or for writing a Word document or anything like that. I just can't use it. So whenever you look at a company, you got to see how defensible of a position is it for them? How good do they have it to defend their positions? However, the problem with having a moat is as much as it can keep people out, it also prohibits people from leaving. A moat is a two-edged sword, right? It keeps people out, but it also prohibits you from exploring outward as well. And that goes into our second part of this, or goes into the third question. And the third question was the management team. What is the management team like? What is the management team like? A great business can be destroyed by bad management. Let me say that again. A great business can be destroyed 
by bad management. There's a quote that I really like by a guy named John Maynard Keynes, and he said, the difficulty lies not in the new ideas, but in escaping from the old ones. Not in the new ideas, but in escaping from the old ones. And that's the problem. A moat can be the best thing for your business because you can make all kinds of money from it. You can make your entire business based on it. You can succeed with it. But the problem is if you hold on to your moat too strongly, if you are too attached to your moat, you won't be able to succeed. You won't be able to evolve. You won't be able to innovate. So the question is, when you look at a management team, the question is, do they have vision? Are they the ones that actually see outside of just what it is that their company is doing right now? But then on the other side, do they handle their superstars, which is the products that are performing right now, which are their cash cows? Do they use their cash cows to their advantage? Or are they slowly killing their cash cows because of the ways that they're handling their business? Think of a company like GE. GE was one of the biggest businesses in the world. Like literally people knew GE everywhere. They made everything for everything. But today, GE has so many issues. They're having to sell off so many different parts of their divisions because they've had some of the, they've had some bad leadership they've had some bad leadership in recent history and it has affected their bottom line it has affected the business it has affected them from being able to change over time or we think about companies like blockbuster at one point blockbuster was on every single corner everywhere in the united states everywhere you looked you are going to find a blockbuster store did you know that blockbuster had a subscription service actual like on-demand subscription service but they never launched it. Why? Why didn't they launch it? The idea was simple. They were so in love with their cash cow. In the case of Blockbuster, it was fees. It was late fees. They were so in love with the idea of late fees that they were like, no, we're not. Why would we give up late fees to then give people watch any movie at any time, get any movie they want at any time? Like what? And do away with the late fees? Like, no way. We're not doing that. And then today gets, where's Blockbuster? Where's Blo- Blockbuster is done. Like, donezo. Because leadership was so focused on the cash cows that they didn't see any future opportunities. They missed out on so many opportunities that were right there for the taking. They missed all those opportunities. Another example is Kodak. Like, we used to say Kodak moment. What's a Kodak moment? All those kind of things. And I bet you if you mention Kodak to any little kid today, they're not gonna know what the heck Kodak is. Why did Kodak go out of business? Did you know that Kodak actually had the first digital camera? Literally, Kodak had the first digital camera. Like, they had it in their company. They had it operating and everything, but they refused to sell it. Why? Because they were married to this cash cow of films. They were married to the idea of, we want films. We want we want to make sure that people keep buying the films for the camera. And so Kodak went out of business why because they were too married to the cash cows and they didn't look forward they didn't look past how they were making money currently so that's why i say it's important for you to know how that management team 
operates. How are they thinking about the future? How are they thinking that the industry is going to evolve? What is the message that they are sending whenever they do their earnings report? Whenever they send out a message or whatever it is that they talk about when they're on news conferences, when they go on press conferences, what is the message that they are sharing to the public? Very, very important. It's very important. Again, I'll use the example of my, my baby, which is Microsoft. One of the things about Microsoft was Microsoft had so many paywalls for everything that you could do on Microsoft. It had paywalls for everything. You wanted to get into Microsoft Office, there was a paywall for that. You wanted to get into Windows, there was a paywall. It had a paywall for everything. But now, if you go for Microsoft, they actually have the free version of Microsoft. There is the free version of Microsoft that anybody can use. Basically, all you have to do is create create a account with Microsoft and then you can use Word, Excel, PowerPoint and Outlook. You can use the power softwares of Microsoft. Why are they doing this? Because they noticed something. They saw that in this day and age it's no longer about just making sure you're nickel and diamond people through your softwares. It is more about providing the services for free and ensuring that they have the opportunity to upgrade later. It's the same thing with Google. Google provides a lot of free services. Why? Because they know that the power users are going to buy for the deep services later on. And they're going to want the more in the more in-depth things. And so Microsoft seeing where the market was heading decided we needed to change our mindset. We needed to change the way that we do business. So much so that not only did they do this, but they also, because they started this, they needed something to support it. Hence, Microsoft Azure Cloud. So much so that today, Microsoft Azure, Azure Cloud is second, second only to AWS, which is Amazon's web services. Why? Because they changed the way that they saw the future. They saw the future come in and they said, hey, we need to, we need to adapt. We need to change what we're doing. We need to improve ourselves. And that's why I like Microsoft. So even, even more so, not only that, they also, also jumped into hardware. That's why you have all the Surface devices now. So knowing how the leadership of a company operates, knowing how the leadership of a company thinks, what are the things that they are talking about on earnings calls? Are they just focused on their cash cows or are they looking for new superstars? Are they just focused on their cash cows or are they looking for new superstars and in, in new opportunities? These are the questions that you got to ask yourself when you're looking at businesses before you start investing your hard earned dollars in any of these businesses. Again, notice with the management team, in order for you to be able to rank a management team guess what you gotta understand the business because if you don't understand the business if you don't understand the industry that you're in, investing in if you don't understand how they make their money you won't be able to tell if the management is doing the right thing or not and so it's a circle this whole thing is a circle each thing tells each part of this question tells you about the other thing if you're looking at, okay, I understand the way the business is, I understand what their competitive advantage, I understand what the management team is like, that can inform me back to understanding more about the business. And then that can lead me to understanding more about the competitive advantage that this business has. So all these three questions, every single question here is linked. 
All these questions are linked and they're like a circle arrow, one going into the other, into the other, into the other, and it just keeps going in a circle. For you to invest in any business, when you're looking at a qualitative analysis of a business, what you're looking for is to ask yourself these three questions. And those three questions are, do you understand the business? Does the business have a competitive advantage? What is the management team like for that business? These are the three questions that you got to ask whenever you start looking into any kind of business that you want to invest your money into. But anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed this pod. Not this is not a podcast. By the way, I say podcast because what I do is I make a podcast every Tuesday and every Thursday talking about investments, talking about personal finance, and talking about some of the business news so you can be smarter about that each and every Tuesday and Thursday. So if you want to check that out, the link is in the description below. Uh, the podcast is called Rambling Mind Podcast. But anyway, it's been your boy Kelechi. I hope y'all got one, maybe two things out of this entire thing that we just talked about. This thing went a whole lot longer, so this is just going to end up being a podcast episode. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, thank you. I'll find another way to make this a YouTube video. Anyway, it's been your boy Kalichi. I'm going to talk to each and every single one of y'all on the next video. And remember, generosity is always greater than greed. Talk to y'all later. Peace.